Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Thursday, September 15th. We are here live. We're going to open the phone lines right now, and it is a free-for-all today. Anything goes. We have no guests. I don't have any major topic. I have a ton of things I might want to talk about here in the beginning till some calls come in. But today's all about what you want to talk about. Anything goes. If you have a question, a comment, a topic, we can talk about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, taxes, technology, health and fitness on the road, getting started as an owner-operator, finding freight, working with brokers, getting your authority. You name it, we'll talk about it. All you have to do is pick up the phone and join us. Phone lines are open right now. Start dialing 855 950 All right, big news today is the fact that it looks like we've avoided a rail strike for now. It looks like the government has negotiated some sort of a deal that at the very least will put this off for a couple weeks. I think the way it's going to work right now is there is some sort of an offer. The offer will go to the union members to vote on, but even if they don't accept it, there is a cooling off period of a couple weeks. So it doesn't look like there's going to be any kind of a strike. We were worried it was going to happen tomorrow. Yesterday, the headlines one after another from every industry was how bad this was going to be if it happened. One of the problems we've created for our economy right now is our economy is shaky in so many different ways that one more thing could be a catastrophe. And this would have been that one more thing. Um, Just about everybody agrees this would have wreaked havoc on an already hurting economy and supply chain. So luckily, That one's off the table right now. But it's not going to take much of something to really push us over the edge. There doesn't seem to be any doubt anymore that whether or not you want to use the word recession, we're in one. All the markers are there. Inflation is not going away. It's still really bad. Probably the biggest problem in our economy right now is inflation. There's this other thing that, um, that is all over the media right now. You know, I, there's so many really important things the media could be covering, and they're not. But boy, when they jump on something like this, there must have been 300 articles yesterday about this This idea of quiet quitting. I don't even know what to say about this other than this is a bigger problem than what most people probably think when they hear about this. They probably think, oh, so what is quiet quitting? I guess I should explain that first. We we were talking for a long time about everybody quit because the government was giving them so much money not to go to work. That was a problem. It's still a problem. I'm not sure why that's still a problem. I'm not sure how those people are surviving anymore because I don't think the government's handing out a bunch of money anymore. But 
it seems like a lot of them just never came back into the workforce. Quiet quitting is a much, much bigger problem. And here's why. Most people, like I just said, as long as the government stops handing out money, most people can't afford to just quit working. It's really difficult to survive in this world if you don't work. So that idea that everybody was just going to quit, uh, there wasn't much chance that that was going to happen. Some did, obviously, and it was it, it actually turned out to be a bigger problem than I thought, and I don't even understand it. Like, how are these people surviving? But this quiet quitting is much worse, in my opinion. Because in this case of quiet quitting, what it means is that people don't quit their job. They're still going to show up. They are going to do the bare minimum just to get by. And in an economy like we, where we are right now in this weird economy where the economy is a mess, but there are jobs everywhere still. This quiet quitting is going to wreak havoc. If this is a real thing, and it certainly seems to be, if it wasn't a real thing, the media has made it a real thing. I do believe it exists. And I I do believe that there's a lot of this kind of attitude in the workforce right now. You could say it's generational. It probably is more generational, but you know, we can't blame the generation, whichever one it is, millennials, Gen Xers, Y, Z. I don't even know what these generations are anymore, but we can't keep blaming them, which we've always kind of done. We, we want to point at the newest generation and say they're lazy, they're stupid, they don't want to go to work, whatever it might be, but we raised them. That's my point about this is if we have this whole group of people who have what I would consider to be a moral failure, I have far more respect for the people who said, I'm not going to work this job. It doesn't pay enough, whatever it is. And they quit completely and they have to figure out how to eat. I have far more respect for those people that quit and said, I don't like your job, I'm quitting. The people who say, I don't like your job, but I'm going to keep it and suck you dry and do the least I can. That's disgusting to me. And I'm shocked that we've raised enough people like that, that this has now become an issue that we're worried about. Are there really enough people out there? That's how they think. And if their answer is, well, that company's been bleeding me dry forever, then you should have quit a long time ago. Don't use that as an excuse. I don't care how bad your job was. I don't care how bad it paid. You chose to go every day. If you don't like it, then choose not to go. Quit. Be a man, grow a pair and quit. Be a woman. Put on your big girl panties and quit. Don't do this quiet quitting thing where you're going to show up but do just the bare minimum to get by. You know, either show up and do your job or just get the hell out of the way so somebody else can do it and we can get this economy back on track. This whole idea is just disgusting to me that we have people that are are willing to, 
to basically prostitute themselves at that point. I'll show up just to get the check, but I'm not doing anything. I'll do the bare minimum just to get by. This is going to be a, a really big problem in our economy. We have so many problems in our economy, and now it's getting worse. Now I'm starting to understand why customer service has deteriorated so fast, even in companies that have had awesome customer service for years. I'm noticing now that this is a problem everywhere. This is difficult to fight, really difficult to fight. If you have any comments on that, I'd love to hear it. The, uh, the other problem I see with our economy right now and um, the oil reserves, oil prices have been coming down. They're dropping quite a bit. We're down around $81 a barrel, I think. And um, one of the ways that that was accomplished was by the Biden administration releasing our oil reserves. I was against this idea when it when they did it, and now they have to decide are we going to fill it back up or not, and when and at what price. You know, thinking that releasing oil from the oil reserve helped inflation would be like thinking that if you take all of your money out of your savings account and pay off your credit card debt, you actually accomplished something on your balance sheet. You, you didn't. Now, we could say that paying off money that was accruing interest, it, that's a good thing going forward, but the impact on my balance sheet today was zero. All I did was move my own money around. I didn't gain anything at all. And in the case of the oil reserves, it's even worse because we didn't move money around. We moved oil around and the price of oil fluctuates wildly. And now we have to refill that reserve. We gained nothing by doing it. We put ourselves in extreme risk. Our oil levels in those reserves right now are the lowest level since 1984. We're in a shaky economy. And the last thing we should do is things that put us in a worse situation. That's what it did. Now they have to figure out when to refill it. And guess what happens to prices when they have to start buying a bunch of oil to put back what they took out. The prices will go back up. That's how supply and demand works. So the government just played a big game with your money and lost. I'm sure the oil we filled in that reserve with, we paid a lot less than what we're going to pay this time to put it back. Yet I don't see anybody talking about that in the media. Uh, what else did I want to talk about? I, boy, I had a ton of stuff here. Um, there's a lot going on with AB5. I don't think I'm going to talk about that right now. Calls are starting to come in. Uh, here's a quick one I can cover. Um, yesterday, I know I spent quite a bit of talk, time talking about the wing foil thing because I was in so much pain, I couldn't think of much of anything else. Somebody posted, why don't you take some lessons? And that's a good question. It's good advice. I would give that advice to people. I, taking lessons for just about everything is helpful. Um, it's not that I didn't take lessons. 
I, I kind of sort of did. Uh, in today's world, with YouTube and videos, and I really don't see much difference. I do see some, some difference between watching videos by somebody who's really good at something and taking some lessons from that person in person directly. Yeah, yeah, there's a difference. I have found for me, this is for me, I learn best when I try to self-teach myself as much as possible. Now, that doesn't mean that all I did was grab some equipment and go out and jump in the water and try to figure it out. Not even close. I went and checked out a ton of videos found a, an instructor that I liked and watched a video and went out and practiced something and then watched a video and then went out and practiced something. It helped a lot. I, I spent a lot of time learning how to fly the wing from videos and really was able to master it pretty quickly. My assumption, and I've said this, was the board was not going to be an issue for me because I've been riding boards on the water my whole life. I was wrong. I screwed this one up. I had no idea the foil part of this changed everything. So now what I'll do while I'm recovering and we don't have much wind, um, I'm going to go back and watch videos about the board part now. I, I just skipped those. I thought I got this, but I don't. So I'll go back and I'll watch some videos. So it's not that I'm not taking lessons at all. I am. It's just in today's world, taking lessons can be really easy and inexpensive. We're carrying a phone around in our pocket. I was down by the water with my phone watching a video the other day because I couldn't figure something out. But what I've found for me, rather than going to a, you know, there's lessons all over the gorge here. I, I could walk right up to some place today and walk right in and get lessons on this. There, there are people all over the gorge that do it. But for me, I've found that that's not the best way for me to learn. When I wanted to kiteboard, which is similar to what I'm doing now, but you fly a kite up in the air, I did take lessons. And it was okay. I prefer to kind of self-teach. Think the lessons stick much better for me when I do that. That's just me. And in today's world... I don't have to just try to recreate the wheel. I can go take a lot of lessons, like I said, with my phone standing right down by the river. So it, it's not that I didn't take lessons that I said, I'm just going to figure this out myself. I did. Um, and they paid off a lot. And like I said, I'm going to go back and take some more. Uh, well, you know, when I woke up this morning, I thought I had almost nothing for the show. Now I'm looking at my list and I have a ton, but the calls are coming in. Um, one other question somebody asked on the website, so I'll answer it here instead right now. Um, somebody said that I've, I've spent a lot of time talking about the COVID vaccine, the downsides, the effects, all of that. And honestly, I really haven't. I mean, I've, I've tried to cover it as much as I can, but we don't have much information about it. And they said, well, what about people who had COVID and still seem to have symptoms. Long COVID we've heard of where your body isn't exactly the same after you've had COVID. He wanted to know why I haven't been doing anything to help people like that. And honestly, because I don't know what to do. 
there are some protocols out there. I'm not sure how successful they've been because we can't get any information. That's our biggest problem of everything about COVID, the vaccine, zero data. After all this time, that's just insane. We should know so much and we know next to nothing. We have no statistics on this that are really helping us learn anything at all. It is actively being squelched. It's actively being hidden. We don't have the data, and it's very, very difficult to do much of anything when you don't have data. So I wish I could help people with these problems, either from the vaccine or from COVID themselves, but there's not a lot of help out there right now. And it's just because we we just can't get feedback. We can't get information. All right, I'm going to go to the phones, find out what's on your mind today. I may come back to some of these topics. Let's go to, oh, by the way, just to let you know, I am, uh, well, let me do this. Uh, Brittany, if you're listening, can you check with uh, the Becketts? Mike and Kevin from MD Alignment, find out what time they want to do rolling toe today. Um, I have another really busy day today. Uh, So I will probably hang out till I get all of the questions answered. So right now, get your questions in early so we can get to them. Um, Then we'll hand it over to rolling toe when they're ready. Let's, uh, Let's get started. Let's go to Missouri today. Richard, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Um, I, uh, a couple of years ago, I w- <clears throat> was doing my quarterly fuel taxes with a company I was leased to. They filed it, and I paid it. And I was on a website that gave the uh, tax bracket for each state, and I can't remember what that tax bracket was. So I, I went to another company that they filed and paid for the fuel tax, so I didn't have to worry about that. And now I've forgotten all, uh, how to do everything. I went back to the company that I was with before, and she was telling me, I just called her, and she was telling me that I need to try to uh, get a little bit of fuel in every state, oh but I don't remember God. doing that. Tell that woman to call me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, so let me ask I don't you remember this. doing that before. Let, let me ask you this. Is that woman like 92 years old? <laughs> no, no, she's probably about in her, in her late 40s, early 50s. Hell. She, she may not even have been born when, when this changed. Holy cow, she's still talking about that. This, this makes me insane. This industry, yeah. that stupid idea at one point was not a stupid idea. It did make sense right. a long, long time ago to do that. And I'll explain why. I can't believe I'm still explaining this issue. Really, I swear that was back in the 80s, wasn't oh, it? Oh, my God. I, every time I have to talk about this, I forget when it <laughs> changed. If Matt is listening, Matt usually texts it to me. I forget when it changed. It was a long... Yeah. Well, I can tell you this. It, it, it's been since I was in the industry. It changed while I was in the industry. I bought my first truck in 1986. So at some point okay. after 1986, this changed. Because I used to do fuel tax reports under the old system before IFTA. IFTA hasn't always been around. There was a time where IFTA didn't exist. 
and we had to deal with each individual state that we drove in for fuel tax. You didn't fill out one fuel tax report. You filled out a fuel tax report for every state you drove in that quarter. Yep. Here was the way it worked back then. Because the states were all separate and each state dealt with its own fuel tax, the systems were never the same. That was the first problem. You had to fill out different reports. The rules were different. But in some states, if you overpaid your fuel tax in that state, they didn't give you a refund. You just got screwed. That was the problem. If they would have, if every state would have said, look, if you overpay us, we'll give you a refund. Then we could have ignored it, but they didn't. So then we came up with this idea. If they're not going to give me a refund, then I'm only going to buy enough fuel while I'm in the state to cover my miles. That makes sense, doesn't it? Yes. But that rule changed a long time ago. Well, you have to stop (laughs) saying this. My God. Once IFTA came around, then we didn't have to file a return with each state. We filed one IFTA return with our home state, whatever we chose that to be. You can file IFTA in just about any state you want, I think. Um, but we file in one state. We call that our home state. We have to report all of our fuel purchases and all of our miles in all the states, just like we used to, but we do it on one form and we pay tax to one agency, our home state. There are no, there are no, yeah, but here's where she's totally wrong with her advice. And it's really, really bad advice. It will cost people more time and more money to do it this way. And it accomplishes nothing. If you overpay in a state under IFTA, you always get the money back. They're going to pay off states you didn't owe, if you didn't buy enough fuel in. And then if there's some money left over, you get it back. So this idea that you should buy a little bit of fuel in every state you drive in is ignorant and at least 30 years old. Right. And I don't, I don't do that. I, I buy the, and I can't remember because like I say, it's been a couple of years since I've done it and I forgot, but do I buy Do I buy my fuel with the state that has the highest fuel tax bracket or the lowest fuel tax? Either one. That's another old idea. Okay. And it's an old idea because Uh, we never used to be able to tell what what fuel prices were. We're sitting in Portland, and I'm getting ready to take a trip to San Antonio. Well, 30 years ago, I had no idea what the fuel prices in Texas were. How would I know that? There was no internet. I couldn't go look right. it up. So we didn't we weren't able to try to plan where we were going to buy our fuel. We couldn't pre-plan it. Well, now we can. I don't need to guess and just buy it in the highest tax state. That used to be one of the strategies. Now all I need to do is go online and look. I know exactly what every price at every truck stop around the country is. You need to do the math. And I need that. You need to do the math. I, I, there used to be, 
Right. And there's a there there's a website, and I, I'm assuming it's still there. But I used to go on that website to to find out where I needed to get my fuel, and I cannot remember the name of that website. Do you know what it is? So I can start uh, planning my routes. Well, were you talking? Did you just look up? prices like a one list where it says the average today in Oregon is this price or were you looking at specific truck stops no it, it was it gave the it gave the each state what the fuel tax was but right now the way I'm doing it is I'm going on the Nastic app and it tells me what the fuel tax was what, oh, it, what it was yesterday and what perfect. it is today but perfect. now so, so do I do the, the, do I try to get the one here's, that's got the lowest price stop, or the stop, highest stop, price stop. on Here, the tax? Here's the math. Right. It's not, it's not lowest or highest tax that has nothing to do with it. Here is the math on how you choose. Okay. If you are getting ready, let, let's use an easy example. We're going to take a run today that only covers two states. Okay. We're only right. going to be in two states today and we need fuel. How do we know which state is, is the best deal for fuel? We only have two states. You could, you could tell me you're going to drive through all 48 states today, and I could still tell you where to buy your fuel. You just have to go check more numbers. Okay. But the, the theory is exactly right. the same, whether we're talking about two states, 10 states, or 48 states. You take the, right. pu- you take the pump price where you're about to see, should I buy it here? Should I buy it there? Today, we're going to be in Florida and Georgia. So we would look at the the prices in Florida. On my route today, where is the cheapest price in Florida? Which truck stop? Then we look at that and say, okay, it's $5 a gallon today at this truck stop in Florida. And Florida's fuel tax, I'm just going to make this up not looking at the real numbers because you don't need them. It's the idea. Florida's fuel right. tax is 40 cents a gallon. And I have to pay $5 for the fuel. So what we want to know is how much did we pay for the fuel? I don't care about the tax. The tax is meaningless. So the math I have to do is $5 at the pump, but 40 cents of that is going to pay for tax. That's meaningless to me. I just want to know how much I'm paying for fuel. So in this case, $5 at the pump, I'm in a state with a 40 cent tax. How much am I paying for my fuel alone? That's a question. Okay. I'm wait, no, not okay. What's the answer? I want to I want to oh, make sure what, you understand the math. Right, right. Do that again. $5 at the pump is the price I have to pay for fuel and I'm in a state that has a 40 cent fuel tax. How much am I paying for my fuel? So I'm paying for uh, 460. Okay. Now we look at Georgia and we say, I ran my app. Here's all the prices. I'm going to be going right by this truck stop today. The pump price in Georgia today is $4.90. And Georgia has a 20 cent fuel tax. How much am I paying for my fuel in Georgia? 470. Where should I buy my fuel today? Florida. Exactly. That's the math right there. If you understand that simple right. third grade math equation, you know how to buy fuel. Now, I have okay, explained. So here, here's, what, here's what I'm. Hold on. I have explained this a thousand times on the air. 
And every time I do, I get more emails and I can, I can somehow I manage to confuse more people than I, than I taught anything. So I went and created a course on this. I have a whole course online. Walks you step by step through this whole process. Okay. So th- there, there was a website that I used to go to, and I, I don't remember what it was, but it gave me the fuel tax in every state. But l- what I'm doing now is on the Nastic you, app. You, you don't need that. Like, I, you, you don't need that website, Richard. The Nastic app gives you every piece of information okay. you need to know to do just what I explained. Right. So what I just did, I just filled up at, in uh, Missouri, and the the. Uh, I'm just giving you my discount price because I don't I don't remember what the pump price was, but my so, discount stop, price was four twenty six. Let me let me clarify some. Let me. I'm glad <clears> you said that. This is why I think I confuse people. There's so many other scenarios out there. I keep saying pump price because that's where, that. <laughs> that's where we have to start. Is the pump price? But in reality, I need to know what you are going to pay at the pump. And everybody has different discount programs. So in reality, the number we need to know, how much are you going to pay for fuel today? That's the number. Okay. So that's what I never did. That's what I always wondered. Do I go off by the pump price or do I go by my discounted price? Your discounted price. We want real math, real numbers. You're using your discounted price. Uh, so I just filled up in Missouri that my discounted price was 426 The On the Nastic app, it showed that the tax price was $4.07. I think in Illinois yesterday, I don't remember what my discounted price was, but the tax price was 417 So it just said... That's the same as today, 417. So instead of getting fuel in Illinois, I would get my fuel in, in Missouri because the tax price was 47 instead of 417. Is that correct with my discount that, price? That is absolutely correct. And we didn't even Good. have to do the third grade math. Nastic already did it for Good. you. I. I I'm not confused about it. I, I understand it, but I didn't understand about do I go off my discount price or the pump price. But one thing I, I just forgot about, it. I needed a, a refreshing of a remembrance, and you clearly explained what I needed to know. I so, don't see why people can't understand that. Well, you know what? I'm going to take a lesson from my open this morning. When somebody asked me why didn't you take lessons on you know learning how to ride the wing, Well, I did. I I, I self-taught myself. I didn't go take a formal lesson from start to finish. I went and watched some videos. I read some things about it, and then I taught myself. And here's the difference. For me, I just know that if, if somebody has already laid out the whole program and I sit there and listen to it, I'll learn some things. But I'll forget a bunch in six months. And that's kind of what you're saying right now. Right. You're saying, oh, wait, wait a minute. When I had to do this before, I used to know this. I find that... Yeah, it was two years that the, I got out of it. <laughs> here's what I find. The, the more of the work I do when I'm learning something, rather than just depend on something to teach me everything, the more of the work I do myself, and it's harder. There's no doubt. I promise you, if I would have 
you know, grab somebody in Hood River that teaches how to wing foil, I would have been up on the foil the first hour. I'm positive I would have been. There, I'm sure there are all kinds of things right. they could have said, do this, do this. They could have watched me and said, oh, there's the problem. You're doing that backwards. And a video can't help me with that. I have to go figure that part out. But I've just found that if somebody tells me everything, it helps get me up to speed faster, but I don't learn as right. deeply. I'm much more likely right. to forget things. So for me, I just know my learning style. If I dig in and do more of the work myself, it will take me longer to get up to speed. It's going to take me longer to learn this. But when I learn it, I'm much right. less likely to forget it. Right. Uh, one more question. Uh, now, I, I have noticed that on the NASDAQ app, uh, and I'm pretty sure it's probably the same, and I don't understand why there's a discrepancy in the uh, prices that they're giving on the tax brackets or on the, on the tax price. But I have noticed that, uh, like just take Missouri, for instance, where I just fueled up at, in Mount Vernon, the, the fuel tax price, the, the price that, that I would pay, end up paying was $4.07. But the price in Cuba, Missouri, was a little bit higher. Now, is every is that tax bracket going to be the same in in the state yeah, within the yeah, state at every right, truck right. stop? Richard, you're here's you're you're you've got something totally backwards here. You're saying, wait a minute, I looked on my app and there's two different prices. How could that be? Is the tax different? No, the tax isn't different. What is different? Here's where I want you to think for yourself. Yeah. You'll learn something here. The tax doesn't change in the, the state. Fuel but price. What, yes, each truck stop gets to set their own okay. price. Okay. Uh, now, uh, now, <laughs> man, yeah, that is just so simple to understand. I understand it now that I've been told. Good. I will never forget Good. that now that I keep doing it. Thank you, Kevin. You are a lifesaver. <laughs> You're welcome. And, and this is a good lesson to learn because there's a lot of money to be saved here. When you under, this is why I created a whole course on this. You can save a lot of money when you understand this. And it's sad how few owner operators understand this. I've been fighting it for decades. Let's, uh, let's go to Florida. Tony, welcome to the program. You got me. Evan, uh, man, I got to tell you, the left, while you're on hold. Uh, what? Yes. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That delay while you're while you're on hold, and yeah, and I can hear it right now in my phone. This delay is is a is a noise. But anyway, uh, my my question deals with these these extra charges on government. You know, when when we were going to this federally mandated health care. They, the issue was that the government can't make you buy something, right? And that's why they wanted to make it illegal. Correct. How is it not the same with, with trucking? My first example that I can think of is e-logs. Now, I'm not arguing e-logs. I've had them even before they were a mandate, but that is one example. It, it just seems like there's a whole hell of a lot of things I'm having to buy. Let me. For this let me. Truck, no, I. Uh, I, I, I can help you. Regulation. I can help you understand this idea better. You're not going to feel any better about it. 
but I can at least help you understand it because I hear your frustration. There is a huge difference between the healthcare mandate and a mandate to buy an e-log. Do you know what the difference is? Yeah, we operate on public roads and public safety, and and it's really different. That's part of it. You're right. That is part of it. The other part is much a much bigger picture. We have very, very different laws for business as we do for personal. This is a business issue, not a personal issue. The government is not forcing you as an individual to buy anything. They're forcing you as a business to meet a requirement. And that happens in every industry across the board. I'm not saying it's right or I like it. I, I wish we had far less of that kind of crap. I, I truly believe that we just saw the best example of this. When Trump was in office, he was much more anti-regulation than most politicians because he's been a business owner his whole life. He spent four years getting rid of regulations, not writing new ones, and our economy was booming under that. Get get that. So I'm I'm not I'm not telling you 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 should you know enjoy this. It sucks. But the explanation of why it's not the same as the healthcare debate is the fact that this has always been this way in business. Government has always told us you have to meet this requirement to be in business, and it almost always costs us money. But that's not the same as the government trying to fort. Here's the thing. You could choose. If I don't want to meet that ELD requirement, I have some other options. One, I could just quit trucking. That's an option. I don't have to do that. I could go buy an older truck. There's an out. I could. So there are always options there. The difference when they tell an individual citizen, you have to buy this, the only option is to leave the country and not be a citizen anymore. That's not an option. So that that's the difference. I know it's frustrating, but don't try to make that argument because it's never going to work. Business has always been forced to spend money to meet regulations. I knew you'd have a simple, really easy answer, <laughs> and I'm an it, idiot today. But, no, you're, but, no, you're not, yeah, really. I'm a little it, frustrated it, about that Yeah, mo- most people wouldn't think that. It, it seems logical. Why, if they can't tell me to buy this, why can they tell me to buy that? It's because once you decide to go into business, the rules change. They change a lot. Tony? Yep, that's oh, all I got today. All right, all right. Yes. That, that's all we need. Good stuff. Yeah, I, I'm not saying I like it. It's still just as frustrating, but uh, that's the answer there. Let's go to West Virginia. Steve, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin, I got two things, but but first, uh, before, before I get to those, um, NASDAQ and Landstar are the only two places I know that have apps that give you the net fuel cost. Uh, and, and that's invaluable. If they just go by that, you can with ours, you can go right along the map on your route and you'll see what your cheapest net price will be today. And I'm sure the gentleman in, in Missouri, same thing. That's what he, when he was asking about Cuba, uh, Missouri being a little different, that's the right. same thing. Everyone's right. going to be a little different. 
but uh, but that uh, we in hours you're able to uh, default either way to to net or not, uh, and net's the only way to do it really. But uh, but yeah, that that works great. Uh, I used to have the four digit codes on a on a uh, little a little flip card. For every TA, you had to call it every day <laughs> yep. to find out what your price was in your route. I would do like 20 TAs in my route for the day right. to figure out which one I was going to do. But I, I was using your system when I had to do that. <laughs> that was back in 14 and 15. Uh, we yeah. got to happen about 17. Um, yeah, so, so me, it is a lot easier. Yeah, and here's one of the reasons why this is so confusing. I'm about to throw out another exception and that's going to confuse people, but, but you have to know these things. If anybody right now is listening to this conversation and you are leased to, Oh, I don't know. Mercer transportation comes to mind. That's one. There are others, not many, but there are others that throw a monkey wrench into everything I just said. It's an exception, and you have to understand it. Yep. And here's the exception. Mercer Transportation and others, <laughs> not only do they file the paperwork for you for your IFTA, they actually take money out of their pocket and pay the fuel tax for you. If you are in that situation, if you're leased yep. to Mercer, you're in that situation. You may be at least to another carrier that does that. There aren't a lot of them, but there are, they are out there, and you should know this. Otherwise, you're going to be doing a whole bunch of work and screwing yourself if you listen to what we just said. In your case, they make it really simple. Exactly. If you're leased to Mercer or any carrier that pays the fuel tax out of their pocket, doesn't file it and then takes it out of your settlement, they pay it out of their own pocket then you can ignore fuel tax completely and you go by pump price only. Now, I just confused a whole or bunch of cheap, people. Or again. discounted, discounted, dis- that, there discounted you go. Discounted, price. Right. discounted price. price, right. So now right. we just. Right. Yeah, well, nobody, nobody pays the pump price. So, right. so whatever right. your discounted price is, if you're with. If you're with Mercer, and I've got a lot of friends at Mercer, and they do, they just, they, they hit those low tax stakes because generally speaking, the discount. Their discounted Absolutely. price right. total is, right. is uh, quite, yeah, and and that's what they do. I mean, uh, I think you used to have a deal where it was like a dollar a gallon. You didn't really care. You bought it anyway because you paid a dollar a gallon for it. I think you said back in, in the day with uh, FedEx or something, whatever it was you were paying, you were going to pay it whether you bought it in Florida, Georgia, or wherever at that point. And, uh, you know, there are those, those anomalies like that that are a little bit different. Uh, but for the most part, you know, especially guys that have their own authority, like the gentleman from Missouri there, uh, they're going to – or what we have at Landstar. So uh, so that – that but fuel tax is not confusing, but when you get into the, the exceptions, it uh, I think people's heads kind of explode. <laughs> yeah, oh. It, it, uh, you'll, get, I, you'll get a lot of emails today. <laughs> I know. And, you know, but now I have a good answer. I have a good answer. It's a win-win for everybody. Right. Don't call me. Don't email me. It is. Because it, it I, is. I, I, yeah. I don't answer my phone no matter who calls. I very seldom answer emails. Uh, I created a course. Go take the course. It's, it. it tells you everything you need to know from hey. start to finish. And once you buy that course, you have access to it for the rest of your life. So if three years from now your situation changes, you can go back to the course and find the right answer again. 
Hey, Kevin, I'll, I'll, I'm going I'm to give full, full, full disclosure. I buy all your courses because I want to support you. Thank you. I've got that Thank course you. I've never looked at. You, Steve, you could have, I, well, I was going <laughs> to say, you could have written of, that the value, course. The value you give me. You could have written that course. I, yeah, I could have, I could have, I could have probably could have. Yeah. And, uh, but I buy your courses because we appreciate the, the, well, thank you. What you've been worth, our net worth over the years is, is, is invaluable. So whether I take the course or not, and I've actually got <laughs> another email address with some health courses on it. So I'm trying, so I try to give like family members. I said, look, just go take this course. I've Excellent. already paid for it. Excellent. I'll never take it probably, but go take it. Yeah. But, uh, but so, so, you know, that, uh, full disclosure, I haven't taken that. I have taken some of your courses, but I haven't taken that one. Yeah. And, well, and the thing is, I want to go back and do it because, because at some point, cause you did this like four or five years ago. Um, and you know, we really had that, had that many changes since then. So it's not that many anomalies there. Uh, I bet some of your keto information now, I got to go back and take your first one. I'm sure you've about, uh, you, you know, you've gone more carnivore now. Uh, right. you actually right. can get in your courses and make some changes at this point. But you know, uh, that was just on that. That was going to be a quickie, but I've got to, yeah, go but, ahead. Yeah. Uh -huh. You just reminded me of something. So uh, for the last Honestly, for the last couple of years since COVID hit, COVID has been such a disruption in so many ways. I don't want to keep blaming everything on COVID, but uh, it, it shifted our business <laughs> model. I mean, it's changed a lot of things. And I'm kind of, I don't know, I feel like I've, I'm in this place where I have all these big projects kind of hanging out there and I'm not finishing anything. There's a whole bunch of stuff just sitting out there and it's not quite done because of all this shifting, everything keeps changing. And I keep saying, well, wait a minute, there's new information coming. I don't want to finish that one yet. I, got, I, I need to start finishing some projects because COVID obviously isn't going away. The world's not going back to the way it used to be. This is the new normal. Um, but what, the re what reminded me of this was I actually wrote that entire fuel tax course in two days, 48 hours. I wrote yeah. that entire course start to finish. Right. The way I did it was I took the coach and there's a place, you know, down on the other side of the Dells, down by the Dells Dam that I can just park on the river, hang out in the coach. Uh, so I said, I'm going to go down there and I'm staying in the coach till I'm done. And I did that schedule. I've talked about this before. The schedule of sleeping that works really well for me. It just doesn't fit into normal life. Um, there are two times when I kind of use the schedule. When I go drive, if I've got a lot of driving to get done and I'm also out doing events and doing the show and all that, I go on a schedule where I, I basically drive four hours, sleep a couple, drive four hours, sleep a little bit, drive some more. I, you know, you'd never be able to manage a logbook like that. It would be a disaster. Uh, but I can I can drive like that. and It works really well for me. I don't care about the clock. The clock just goes away. If I wake up at one o'clock in the morning and I feel like I'm awake, I get up and drive. I do the same thing on these projects. When I went down to the river and parked, I would work on the project till I just couldn't work on it anymore. No other distractions. I turn the internet off, my phone's off, and I just start creating. And when I'm tired, I go lay down and I take a nap. And then I come back and work. And sometimes I'm getting up at, you know, 2.15 in the morning and working for three hours. But I just work and sleep until I'm done. 
And I was able to crank that course out in, like I said, like 48 hours. Yeah. Maybe I need yeah, to go that do was, some more that, of that. Yeah, and I remember when you I remember when you talked about it. When you talked about it back then. So I'm gonna do a course and like a week later, okay, it's out. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that at the time. You were yeah, you yeah, yeah, you said it might take a month or so to get everything tweaked, but you know, like a week later you were it was up. It was up and running. But uh but I haven't I haven't cracked it yet, but I will I will one day just to see just to look through it, like I say, see what twenty seventeen looked like. Yeah, that that's time. right. So, that's um, right. On the, the the other two items we got one of them uh, one of them is pretty quick. This uh, strategic oil reserve, okay, that that was that made me crazy. Now they they did get a benefit out of it. The the reason that those extra million gallons or so a million barrels a day did help the supply demand to where we they got the price down a little bit to help them toward the election that they got what they wanted oh you're I can tell right you that. yeah you're now, right. they put us at risk yeah, yeah. they put us they they put so, us at risk so let's clarify something the you are cor- absolutely yeah. correct they got exactly what they wanted out of this my problem is government does not exactly. exist to serve government government exists to serve us that's not it. them or, or, that's the problem here. or the or the or the Oh, the Democratic Socialist Party. Exactly. Uh, that's what they're. That's what they're doing. Exactly. Yeah, don't worry. Hey, don't worry. He signed an executive. He signed an executive order the other day. The government is going to do all the things that Zuckerberg's did in 2020. Hey, they're going to do it this fall. They're going. They're going in all those neighborhoods the same way, and they then they put every agency of government top priority in that executive order. I just so fig- Zuckerberg's is back, but we're paying for it. I just figured out how to balance our budget. I've got it. I'm going to stick my tongue firmly in my cheek when I say this. What, we don't need Congress. <laughs> Fire them all. Get rid of them. Oh, no. Biden can run the whole country and himself. He's doing it now. <laughs> yeah. What, yeah. Get, just get so, rid of Congress. So you're going to see we don't that. Need them. I mean, yeah, the executive order, uh, it, 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 it basically is going to go into every, every neighborhood in the country like they went into in these major cities. Uh, and yeah, so yeah, it's, it's going to be, you know, we, <laughs> it could be bad. I'm, I'm hoping not, but, uh, um, yeah, it could be bad, but we gotta, we got, everybody's just got to get out and vote. I and mean, that's it. So, uh, there's no doubt about it. We've got to, you got to make some changes here. 54 and, days. And, uh, yeah, the, the filibuster will be gone. Yeah, that's it. So now, uh, the other two items, uh, well, the street, strategic schools are like we're saying, um, it will, the, the thing is, is it was filled up by Trump at the very, very low 20 and $30 per barrel prices. Yeah. Uh, and, and of course they sold it, you know, they sold it out of there. Yeah. They got some money to the treasury. Yeah. But they're not going to get back down at those levels. They're going to end up filling it up at three to four times, even if it drops some, three to four times what we filled it up last time for. Right. And and it's going to take you know a lot of time to do it, uh, unless you ever get somebody back in 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 the office that is going to do all of the above energy policy, so that that oil will come back to a normal price and not be this artificially high price that it is now. And so, and so that that's a that's a big problem there. But it, it was done for political purposes and that only. And uh, so that's about all can you know can be said about that. It, it they got what they wanted yeah. out of it. And uh, of course now, like I say, they're back down at three dollars a gallon instead of five dollars a gallon on gas, basically. And uh, 
And if, you know, I'm sure they bought some boats during this time. And they're telling us how good inflation is now. <laughs> and, uh, and, but I think people do go to the grocery store every week. And look at the risk we have put ourselves in energy-wise. We have basically shut down our own oh, energy yeah. system. And, and it's not like we could turn it on tomorrow. It would take we we have oil we no. can produce it but it's going to take a long time to be to get back to there but here's what we've done and our our enemies know this we're at the lowest level on that reserve we've been since 1984 that's dangerous what if OPEC says hey look we're just gonna we're gonna cut way back on drilling yeah. what, what are we gonna do yeah we're screwed that's, that's exactly right yeah. Yeah, because it'll take time for us to get our drilling back up. And, and we can't, um, if, yeah, if, they, only, if yeah, they, they cut back and prices go back through the roof, we can't refill the reserves then. Exactly. So, so yeah, I mean, it's like I say, it, it was not a good deal. Um, the last thing today was uh, the, the, the quiet quitting. Well, you know, I... <laughs> I've, you know, and, and I've read several stories about this, and you see TikToks all the time, people bragging about their quiet quitting. Um, but I'm, let I'm me, sitting let, here saying, let me make uh, a, Michael, Mike, Mike. Hmm? Let me make a comment right yeah. now. I, I have to say this. Yeah. Um, you know, I have a great relationship with my kids. Um, if either one of them, if I saw either one of them posting something like this, or if they happened to mention it to me, holy cow, would they get an earful? They would know exactly <laughs> that. And I can't imagine either one of them ever saying something like that. We have to remember every time we, nah, we, nah, we nah. denigrate a, the younger generation, we raised those kids. That We have to remember that. And oh, yeah. Clearly, yeah. Yeah. there's been a whole lot of parents that have been missing in action. Yeah. Well, you, your kids learned from you and Lisa. Your, your kids learned from y'all. My kids learned from, from me and, and my wife. And my wife retired a couple of weeks ago. And she did her last day. She worked an 11-hour day. She worked <laughs> overtime her last day. And she's been, she had, she'd been on speed dial for her replacement for the last two weeks. She's not asking for a penny. But, my, I, you know, my wife always said, I'm going to run through the – finish line That's and right. i've done that everywhere yes. i've ever been to yes. you, know, you know you run through the finish line you don't well but this quiet quitting you know there's a, michael beckett has had for years the best name for it he calls it the 2080 rules 20 uh, 80 of the most valuable work gets done by 20 percent of the people the other 80 percent are there for the paycheck um it, I've, I've actually lately to the 1090 rules I think 90% of the best work is done by 10% of the people. And I think the other 90 are there for the paycheck. So, uh, because you look around for drivers now and, and it's, it, you know, they want you to pay them uh, a whole lot of money, but not do much work. Yeah. So, same I, thing. I agree with you on the whole 80, 20, 90, 10 thing. I, we're certainly heading in, in that direction. Let's apply that to something else. We hear people complain about all the time. We, and, and their complaint is accurate. I agree with it. Here's what it is. We hear all the time, the middle class is disappearing. The rich keep getting richer and the poor yep. keep getting poorer. Guess, guess who the 10% are? Yep. The 10% doing all the work and getting <laughs> all the results. Those are the people that have all the money. Do you think there's a correlation there? The other 90% oh, that yeah. this, this attitude has probably always existed among employees, I just show up and, and, but now 
they're brave enough to talk about it. We're saying the quiet part out loud now. That's the shift. That's yeah, what's yeah. changed. <laughs> they're now willing to say, thumb their nose yes. right at their employer and say, screw you. I'm going to do the least I can until you fire me. Yeah. Well, what I would tell that person is simply this. You've just cemented your future. You'll never have another. You'll never have a good job for the rest of your life. Because of course. The, guess yeah, what's exactly. Your yeah. attitude is out there. And, and, and HR people, they're all over social media. They know what you're doing. <laughs> so, exactly. But, you know, but, I, but Mike put it, he put it best when he, when he put it like, I always talked about the 2080 rule, but, but I never thought about it in context of 80% of the most important work done by 20% of the people or, or 1090. But after he said that, I said, you know what? He's exactly right. Yeah. You know, people that have a good work ethic, they're putting out three to four times the work that the, that the person that's there for the paycheck is doing. And and that happens in trucking. Everybody always asks, why do you make more money here at, at, at Jevic or at New Century? I said, because I put out the work. It's all on it's all on production. If you can get stops off and you can be very efficient, you can get done a day and a half or two days early, then you got your backhaul. You got back and gotten another load. You, you know, that's how I made in the I, early 2000s. I made $97,000 one year. And, and as a company driver in the early 2000, and, and, but I worked for every dime of it. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, one of my early <laughs> lessons in business, and I've, I've said I, I was a horrible student in school. I did the minimum. And I, I think I understand why. Um, even back then, I've said this. I didn't do homework ever. At some point, I figured out, why am I doing this homework? What's the point in this? And I, I would even ask. What's the point? Why do I do? Well, you have to learn the material. Okay. How do you know that I've learned the material? Well, that's easy. We give you a test. Okay. Give me the test then. But you yeah, haven't we'll give done you that standardized. Give me the standardized test. Yeah. Their answer was, but you haven't done the homework yet. I don't care. Give me the test. No, you have to do the homework first. Well, why? Because that's how you'll learn the material. How do you know I've learned the material? You'll pass the test. Well, give me the damn test then. And, and if they gave me the test, I would pass it. Because I prefer, I've always been this way. I didn't want to sit through class and do their homework. Just give me the damn book. Tell me what I need to learn and let me go learn it. <laughs> yeah. And I will. And that's, that's so, I, I, I skated through school. I had the quiet quitting mentality in school. I'm going to do the least I can possibly well, you were, do. You were, not, you, were an, you were an entrepreneur, right. Yeah, you were an entrepreneur. That even then. Because entrepreneurs just do. They don't want the fluff in the middle the, that we've got to teach to the test kind of mentality that you get in schools. And, and look at, look at all, look at Rush Limbaugh never finished college. Yeah. Look at him. Look at, you know, look at Steve Jobs, people like that. Uh, look at, you know, uh, I hate to say, uh, uh, Microsoft, but, but, you know, Bill Gates and them, they, they, they had an idea and they dropped out of college. Yeah. And, and, but they had a better idea to do it themselves entrepreneurially at the time. And you had that attitude in school, and, and a lot of people are like that. They're they're very very bright, but they're not uh in, they're not quote unquote intellectuals. Yeah, you know, the intellectuals are going to do exactly what they say to do in school and have all the cords when they graduate. <laughs> yeah. One of my first lessons, because I was clueless about business, about everything, uh, when I bought my first truck, but I I worked out of a terminal where we all did local P and D work. 
So we were there every day. We all kind of came in about the same time in the morning. You got your trailer, you got your freight, you went out, you did your thing. You kind of came back at the end of the day about the same time. So you, you really knew everybody. I'm brand new at this. I'm 22 years old. I just bought a truck. I'm in business. I have no idea what the hell I'm doing. My first lesson was I'd come in in the morning and I would watch and I would talk to other contractors. I was 22. The average age of the other contractors there at the time was like 46. So obviously these guys have a lot more experience than I do. I should probably pay attention. Not that everything they can teach me is right, but I should probably pay attention. And here's the first thing I noticed. And, and this struck me as I would come in every morning. I'm watching. Now, remember, we're all doing basically the same thing. Each person owns a truck and we're contracted to this company. It was Spartan Express at the time. And yet I watched some people show up in the morning with really nice new cars, good clothes. Their truck is, you know, in good shape. It's clean. It's not always broke down. Um, when I hear him talk, I hear him talk about a home and kids in college. And, and yet the next contractor that pulls in um, is a half hour late because his car wouldn't start this morning. Um, his truck is broke, so he needs help getting it going this morning. There's always something wrong. The, always broke. Always. And I, I, I would look at that and say, what's the difference here? They do the same thing every day. They're both spending 12 hours a day, basically, delivering and picking up freight. Why are their results so different? And that was my first question. Yeah, and I started <laughs> questioning everything. Yep. What does this guy do that this guy doesn't? What's the difference here? Yep. Why, why would somebody be okay working the same amount of time and ending up with so much less? Well, that, and that, that gets back to, you know, so, you know, surround yourself, listen to people, the five best people that you can in different areas. And you're one of my five. <laughs> so you surround yourself and learning from, from people in different areas but you always make sure that they're the brightest in their area. You know, yeah, that's, one of the, that's, that's, if you do that, you will learn and keep learning every day. You know, one of the people that, you know, was, was my five early on, it kind of still is today. I, I still have tremendous amounts of respect for this guy. And, and I've even talked about all the times he's kind of steered me wrong. Health-wise, it's been a disaster. Business-wise, <laughs> yeah. personal, yeah. finance, and he just, he just, I just saw a headline the other day. I didn't read the article, but I bookmarked it. Um, he's now set a goal to feed a billion people. Isn't that incredible? Just to, that would just, be Tony Robbins. Uh, that would be Tony Robbins. Yeah, Tony yeah. Robbins has been feeding people yeah. for a long, long time. He has fed a lot yeah. of and people. Very quiet, and very quietly. Very he quietly. Doesn't, yeah, and, yes. and he doesn't. Yeah, very quietly. He doesn't. He doesn't. That isn't his. That isn't his. His focus out there where he's saying, "Oh, look at me! I'm feeding people." And you know that's the. That, do you know why that he is, does it? You know, until recently, most people didn't know it until he came out with that goal. Right? You do you know correct? why he does it? Well, I mean, he he needs. I mean, obviously, he wants to give back. Yeah, you he, know, he, and and that's one. That's his. He tells. Main focus. He he tells the story. He grew up really poor. He grew up very poor. And he remembers a yeah. Thanksgiving where 
the family actually thought not only were they not going to have a traditional Thanksgiving dinner, they weren't going to have any food at all. Like they were hungry, hungry. And he remembers a stranger, a total stranger showing up at their door with a full Thanksgiving dinner. And he said, that's what motivates him now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he stays motivated. There's no doubt. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I, I got to get off. I got to get on the land for safety call. <laughs> let, me, let me run. And uh, but we do appreciate everything you do for us. Like I say, you are one of the five for many of us out here. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Great stuff today. Let's move along. The calls are piling up. Let's go to Illinois. Jerry, welcome to the program. That needs to be another saying on your sticker, Kevin. Calls are piling up. Calls are piling up. We we have to turn that into that, a drinking game. That needs game, to be I another think. sticker saying or a drinking game. Hey, there you go. Real quick, uh, real quick. I just want to piggyback and and clarify that uh, first caller about the fuel tax. Uh, he was using the Nastic app. Do not look at any price except the bottom line net of state tax. <laughs> Don't pay any attention to what the pump price is. Don't care about what the exactly. I couldn't tell you what the pump price right. in any state is at all. Right. All right. I look at is that bottom line. But you also late enough in the day, it'll give you tomorrow's price. Usually you get an email uh, telling you that what the price difference will be. But if you look on the app, the middle, the middle one is today's down at the bottom. You got three yesterday's today. And, and then tomorrow, although this early in the day, tomorrow says NA not available, but if you look at it, it'll tell you that it's actually lower tomorrow. Got it. So, you know, we, now okay. well, the, the other thing I want to clarify is that he's a hundred percent right. It, all he's got to do is look at the pins on the map and, and touch those pins and it'll tell you what the price net stop is. I've got, regular route I go, there can be as much as 20 to 25 cents a difference between it's, two Nastic stations 60 miles apart. It's huge. That's why there's so much opportunity for savings here when you understand this. You know, think about this. Here's Remember when, you know, calculators came out? Boy, am I dating myself now. And, you know, yeah. a lot oh, of us, a lot of us, if we were in school at the time, we said, oh, we don't need to learn math anymore, right? Why would we need to know math? We have right, this little right. machine we can put in our hand and it could calculate uh-huh. anything we want it to. But we still need to learn math. This is why I still want people to go exactly. take my fuel tax course, even though there are apps out there. You just described it. Nastic. Perfect app. I don't need to know any of this stuff. All I need to do is look at that number. If I know which number to look at, but I still wish people would go take the course and understand the underlying concepts. Exactly. Just like that first caller, he was thinking that the tax was different between right, two right, stops in right. the same state. But no, you need to understand the basics before you can understand the answer. Yeah, yeah. So, but the apps are yeah, out there. Yeah, I and, got, Kevin. And, I just and, wanted to clarify. Yeah, you're right. All you need to do is look at that one number if you have the app. Yeah. But I want you to go learn the concepts. So, Jerry, thanks for that. I appreciate it. Ah, let's go to uh, Michigan. Spencer, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Thanks for taking my call. Um, the last caller just sold my thunder, so I'm also on the NASIC. And it's the net of state tax price. The guy that called in earlier 
I was saying that's the price he's paying, but he's not correct with that either. He has to look at the um, highlighted green price above the net of state tax price, and that's the price he's paying. Got it. Um, Got it. I, I've tried to. I've. I listened to you several years ago, and um, when you had one of your uh, meetings for all of us down in Kansas City there, and learned this, and I was like, wait a second. Our, at that time, it was leased onto a carrier. Our fuel person at our carrier doesn't know this. Most don't. <laughs> Most don't. That's the crazy that's, part. That, I, and that's where your insanity is coming from. Because I I hear statements and I can tell people when I'm still driving loads myself, when I sit in the driver's room or, you know, the lunch counter, within about 20 seconds, the way they talk <laughs> about, you know, the if and the way they work. That's all it takes. I know. And almost every, there's about a top five or six things that they say. And you're like, no, I doesn't get it. it, it and right. I, and some days I'll, I'll go after it. I'll try to explain it. Other days I'm like, yeah, it's kind of a hard thing to understand. Yeah. And go on to the next topic. <laughs> <laughs> it it drives I, me absolutely I, berserk. I know. Oh. So here's how I figured out that nobody in the industry seems to understand this concept because in the beginning, when I would get callers and they would argue with me, they're like, no, you're wrong. And I'd be like, hold on a second. You're right. leased to a carrier. Right. I want you to go. Somebody in your carrier is responsible for this. I want you to go take them to lunch and ask them, and they would come back and say, "See, you're wrong." I took, and I'd be like, "Your fuel tax person said that," and they'd be like, "Yeah, they told me this is exactly how it works." And I'd be like, "Oh my God, we got to get them on the phone." So I had to stop telling people, "Go talk to the person in charge of fuel tax at your fleet," because they didn't know this stuff. So you're 100 percent correct, and unfortunately, uh, or fortunately, I don't know either way, is a lot of us have you know, kind of graduated from, at least I have from company driver to lease on guy to having my own authority. And I'm like, I, uh, sometimes it's just, you have to elevate just by asking questions and seeking out information above the ignorance around you in life, not just in trucking. And I, I, that's really what it has been. But the, to back to what we were saying, some of the, and you could talk for a half an hour about some of the crazy things, but there's kind of a top five. And one of them is <laughs> if, if somebody says to me, um, well, we're, they've told us that, at, you know, as owner operators of the place I'm leased on, what they have told us don't ever fuel up in Pennsylvania. Oh my God. Okay. So, <laughs> so that gets, that segues uh, into a, a, a short little story. If I, if I can sure. real quick. So a friend yeah. of mine, I've, I've been trying to teach this. He was, he was, uh, into a few different carriers, but when he was at this carrier, particular carrier in Iowa, they said the same thing. And I said, well, look, I'm going to prove it to you. You have to, you were filled. So what are they telling you? Fill up is in Iowa and Ohio before you go into Pennsylvania <laughs> and then in Ohio on your way out. Yeah. If we need to. Yeah, that's right. exactly right. Right. And I said, you know what? I'm going to do, I'm going to do your company a favor. I'm going to save them all kinds of money because today, guess what? Pennsylvania's net of state tax price is like 23 cents cheaper yes. than it is in Ohio. Yes. And they're not going to understand that, but you're going to save yourself money and, and because he pays for his own fuel. I right. Think. So he did that. He filled up. And um, about three hours later, I got a phone call from him. And I said, hey, what's up? And he goes, uh, you're never going to believe what happened. Our fuel department just called me. 
<laughs> oh, good. They did. Yeah. He goes, uh, they told me that, you know, it's their policy not to fill up in Pennsylvania. Why did you fill up? And and he told me, I said, well, I've, I've got information that says that, you know, the United State tech, right. no, that's wrong. Oh. Never fill up in Pennsylvania. Oh. Is what they so this this some time passes with the same company. Okay, um, he just he got a quarterly uh, after report. They pay quarterly, um, and he goes, "You're never going to believe this. Um, I just got the seven hundred eighty three dollars back for my FNS." I said, yeah. "There's almost no way possible." And he goes, "No, I'm not kidding." And I go, "We're arguing. You know, no, there's right. no way." I right. go. Can you send me that after report? He goes, yeah, I can send it to you. So he, he shoots me the, you know, in a PDF, I look at it and I'm, I said, well, I think I got your issue. I said, uh, you took, you took on, I don't remember what it was. We'll say 110 gallons in Port Ritchie, Florida. Um, do you remember that fill up? Yeah. Yeah. That was, you know, the first of, of, you know, April or whatever he said. And I go, okay. I said, but you have no miles in Florida. Right. How's that? How's that possible? Did you? Oh, he had no miles. Zero miles. Army. Correct. Oh, correct. I, oh. I said, did the uh, United States <laughs> Army put it in a C one thirty and drop it off in Fort Ritchie, or how did this? No, no. I did. I said. I, so we're scratching our head for a yeah. day or two, and I got to thinking. And the the missing information for you is actually missing information in this story. So I, I said to him, I said, Hey. Didn't you tell me you were having ELB issues for about seven, eight days? Oh. He said, yeah, it was, you know, completely blank. It wasn't tracking me. And I said, so this is the, here's the issue. So there's going to be a whole bunch of missing miles of runtime, so to speak, on your ECM, on your odometer that wasn't reporting in your ELD or vice versa right. or, or however that thing works. I said, so... <laughs> They don't have anybody spot checking these, you know, right, the owner operators right. at it, all. Not only, and, and goes, not goes, only did it create the ahead, obvious mistake of Florida that that is an obvious mistake. You can't have a fuel purchase in a state without having miles in that state. But it also screwed Correct. up the calculation on every state. Every, uh, his entire exactly, fuel tax report is incorrect. Exactly. In every state, yes, because now, because now his fuel mileage calculation right. is so far off, it's yep. ridiculous. Yep, it, exactly. And to top it all off, uh, they were bragging to everybody at the terminal about he, how he got that big of a refund. <laughs> and I was—that's one of the other top five. Yeah. Why? Why do people walk around and act like that? It's an income tax return, which is stupid anyway, uh, right. because that's it's, money you overpaid, you bonehead. I. I, I, I <laughs> uh, Kevin, I'm with you. I'm thinking about shaving my head bald because there otherwise go. I'm going to pull all my hair out. I, I, it, it, um, on a different. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was just going to frustrate us even I, more, I, just because I this topic frustrates the hell out of me when I try to explain it to people. The other one that always comes to mind when I try to explain it to people is factoring. We're not going to go there today. Oh, good lord! I don't. I. <laughs> I, I, I 
the same guy I'm talking about is a friend of mine and he, he wants to get his authority. I'm like, I can't, I, I, I'm not going to get into spiritual uh, discussions today, but I, I know how a certain entity must feel when he's here, when, when he feels like he's here to, to save the world and nobody wants to be saved. Right. Yeah. Right. Yep. <laughs> but any, but I, I don't want to get into the whole uh, Jesus thing, but I will, on a different note, if I can, there's a guy called Donald Broton. He's with uh, a founder I, principal of Broton Capital. I, have you, have you ever know, read him? I know Donald. Okay. Yeah, that Donald's, Donald's been around the industry forever. Um, I, look, I, we're okay. not like personal friends. I've been at many, many events and speaking at events that he's spoken at. And I've been following him for years. Okay. Yeah. So, so the last two quarters, he's put out, um, I don't know, a two or three play, page blurb in the, the Nastic newsletter that comes out quarterly. And in this last newsletter, he starts out with, um, it's a variation of the, of the Mark Twain saying, you know, the report of my death was, uh, was an exaggeration. <laughs> That's not an exact quote from Mark Twain, but, right. and, and he's talking about, um, you know, last quarter and why, you know, it's not all gloom and doom because if we did can quarterly comparisons from 21 and 20 and 19, uh, puts it in perspective is I have a, a degree in economics and, and I'm truck driving. And so imagine that. But anyway, um, I, I love it because he puts, he, he gives you, you know, seven, eight different, you know, these real kind of wonky, crazy looking graphs. And if you get a chance, you should look them up because I, I've heard you on the radio, uh, on your show here before. And I, I can't argue with you. I, I look at around at what's happening and, and I'm like, man, we're headed to a bad place economically with this country. We just are. Um, but in the trucking industry, um, you know, maybe not so bad. I think what no, happened I, was just that basic thing. Yeah, I'm not too worried about the trucking industry itself. I, I I think, honestly, we're in better shape this time than any other downturn I've seen. What I'm worried more about is that the general economy, the downturn is going to be deeper and longer. And if that happens, it it won't matter much that the trucking industry is doing a little better. I mean, it will matter to some people if you're right on the edge and, you know, you manage to make it. But yeah. you're, we're not going to have a booming trucking industry if the rest of the economy tanks. We, we will do better than we have in prior recessions. I, and again, I you know certainly wouldn't argue with that. I, I think uh, if you get a chance, you should look up his article. I don't know how you would get that out of the website oh, Nastic. I, but, no, I I, uh, I have access to it. Like I'm surprised I haven't read it yet. I read most of what he puts out. Yeah, and uh, it's he breaks it down to the flatbed reefer and a couple yeah. other you know divisions within a division. And I I really like it when you get the guys uh, from Internet Truck Stuff that comes on and gives the market overview my only complaint would have been is like well i don't do all those other types of freight i want to know about <laughs> that's what i do um right uh, you know because we can always talk about the average of the averages it's it, just that it's doesn't right. you know help me specifically but i you do have to talk in generalities because of your audience you certainly understand that but um i guess i would uh, point you towards that article and i think that's all i got I, for today though. Appreciate i will you taking go my call. i will go check that out yeah uh broughton capital is one of the uh one of the analysts that have been following for a long time. Let's go to Ontario. Mike, welcome to the program. 
Oh, let me try that again. I, got, I have to actually hit the button, not just look at it. Mike, welcome. Oh, <laughs> hi, Kevin. It's a pleasure to talk to you. I've missed you. Um, thank you for doing this, by the way. This is a tough question. Uh, maybe I'm thinking about buying a truck, but prices are so skyrocketing, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, if you were in my position, um, financially I'm fit, so on, I followed all your advice, um, what would you do? Just hold tight and well, let, yeah, the market? I, I need to know. I need to know a little more about your situation. Because that, that's what matters. I oh, mean, okay. I can speak in generalities all day long, but when I'm giving advice to somebody, I don't want to use it generalities anymore. Let's get down to specifics. How old are you? Uh, 55. How long have you been driving? Uh, 10 years. I'm assuming this is your first truck, but I shouldn't assume. I should ask. Is this your first truck to own? Yes. Okay. Uh, no. No. I, I'm looking at buying. I'm a company driver. N- right. But have you ever owned a truck before? No, sir. Okay. So first time. Well, I, have you ever been I've in business? That was my next question. Have you ever been in business before? Yeah. So tell me about your business experience. Just overall, you know, in 1982, I did this. Yeah. Or just give me the big picture. Yeah. Yeah, I had two very successful body shops. Oh, right? okay. One man I, operation. I used yeah. to do that myself. Um, but I blew my knees out, so I went back to college, right, and studied mechanical engineering. That's beside the point. But I have a passion for business because of the body shops were very Got successful. It. I enjoy running my own life, not having somebody else dictate what I do, right? Yep. So here is my advice. Now that I know your specific situation, I have very specific advice. You should absolutely pursue the dream of buying and owning a truck. You should be very, very patient right now. So you should start the process. You should be planning. You should be doing all the things that we talk about. You should have your accounting system all set up. You should have your your business model already outlined on paper. You know exactly what you're going to do. You should design your dream truck for you. What is the dream truck? That depends on budget. We start there. Then we work backwards to figure out with that budget, what's the best truck I could afford Um, we lay out your business model. Are you going to be leased to a carrier? Do you want to get your own authority? You should be listening and reading business books all the time right now, constantly. Uh, And you should be waiting and watching because this is not the time to pull the trigger, but it's absolutely time to start getting ready. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes 100%. Thanks again, Kevin. I appreciate it. You're, you're welcome. So, you know, a lot of times, it, it, you know, think back to even, you know, 2021, um, rates were through the roof, right? We're all talking about how amazing rates are, freights everywhere. I've said many times that I would much rather get into business at the bottom of the market, not the top. And here's another good example of why. 
when those rates were just through the roof and somebody like you decides, oh, I want to be an owner operator. I want to buy a truck. And the rates are just through the roof. There is a lot of pressure. You will be in a hurry. Everybody is. I got to get a truck. I got to get going. I got to make take advantage of these rates. Well, you make all these long-term decisions in a hurry because there's all that money and you don't want to miss out on it. And every one of those decisions will end up costing you money in the long run. When you start at the bottom, which is what I'd much rather do, there's no rush. We don't need to be in a hurry. We're not missing out on anything. In fact, it's the exact opposite. The longer we wait right now, the better decisions we're going to make. So now there's no pressure to be in a hurry. I'll take my time. I'll listen to books. I'll start writing down my plans. Uh, My course will walk you right through all of these things I just talked about, every chapter. How to set up your business model, how to find inspect the right truck, how to get the accounting set up. So you could take my course and say, I'm going to work through this course on a six-month schedule. I'm going to take my time on each chapter. I'm going to work through this, and I'm not going to be in a hurry. And you then will be in a position to pull the trigger and succeed. Okay, excellent. That's uh, Stop Holding the Steering Wheel? Yes. Is that correct? That's the course. Exactly. Oh, okay. I thought so. I yep. thought so. Yeah. You, you, okay. Perfect. Okay, Kevin, I won't take any more of your time, but I really appreciate your help. Thank you're, you very much. You're welcome. And uh, I'll look forward to you calling me through this whole process. That's the other beauty of this. If you kind of say, look, I, I'm going to work through this course in six months. And in six months, it still might not be time, but you'll know. And during that six months, call me. I'd love to talk about it. I, I, I will help you through every step in that program. You can call me every day if you want. Let's go to Wisconsin. Kevin, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Um, I got a question about an oil sample. I got a 2016 glider has 570,000 miles on it. And it was a reliable Detroit. It wasn't rebuilt by Fitzgerald or anything. Um, I was getting oil in the coolant, coolant in the oil. Got the, they insisted it was the oil cooler. They rebuilt it. I ran it 5,000 miles, took another oil sample because I thought I was seeing oil in my coolant again. So they said, well, yeah, you got, it, it takes a lot to get it out. So I had it totally flushed out, cost me like a thousand bucks. And, and they did a good job. They were really thorough. Did another 3,000 miles on it. Took an oil sample just out of curiosity. And I still got coolant in my oil. Uh, magnesium was up to 521, potassium 74, sodium's 90. They pressurized the system and... It's not losing pressure. They even dropped the oil pan because I said, man, what about the liners? They dropped the oil pan, pressurized it overnight, nothing. And so they're swearing that it's residual coolant in the oil. And the oil was changed after the oil cooler, of course, so it's new oil. So they're saying we're going to button it back up, run it some more. Uh, they changed the oil again, so we're going to run it some more. But the thing is, I want to sell it. I want to sell the truck and not get sued for fraud or whatever. So, you know, uh, I'm just trying to make sure this thing's pretty solid. But don't, I, I can't believe that they're not saying anything about cracked hat or head gasket. 
Yeah, oh, so boy, I'm looking for your opinion. It, yeah, so where do we start here? Um, it's I had several different thoughts. One, so we know that we have coolant in the oil. An oil sample tells us that. I'm wondering if yeah. when we also thought that you had oil in the coolant, um, I my first thought was, I wonder if that was fuel. You Visually, you can't tell the difference. Visually, it's very difficult. Oh. Um, we almost have to do a coolant sample to know it, whether I it's... Do. So that's one possibility because then we look at um, injector cups. But we, mm-hmm. but we don't need to go there yet because we do know, let's forget what was in the coolant. We do know now that there is absolutely coolant in the oil, right? I think so. Yeah, and I think so they're, on, they're trying to play it off as residual. On the history of the amount of coolant, can we look at a couple of samples and is it going down every time, but it's still there? I guess it hasn't been long enough because I, I did look at the history because the mechanic that I go to, he, which is actually at a dealership, he hates samples because they just show trends, not immediate, you know, red flag things. So, when you do look at it, let me ask you something. The mechanic said, I hate samples because they show trends and not immediate. Does he have something we can yeah, use that would show us immediate? No. Well, uh, yeah, my magnesium was at 32. Now well, it's at but, 521. But, but that's a sample. You know, <laughs> that's an oil sample telling <laughs> yeah, us yeah. that. So my point to him was going that's to be, why, yes. as, as a mechanic, <laughs> we have a tool that can tell us something. Can't tell us everything, but it can tell us something. And you say, I don't want to use that tool because it doesn't tell me this, doesn't tell me everything. How ignorant is that? Yes. I know. <laughs> That's why I, they just, I think they're just trying to wash their hands of me. That's because what it I sounds keep, like. I'm like, listen, so, it, it's just, you know, we need to do some digging here. I just can't believe it. So if there's two things we're going to have to watch for here, we're just going to have to run this truck and watch a couple things. So, and I know you want to get rid of it, so you know we're just going to have to try to figure that. And congratulations, by the way, doing the right thing, not just trying to dump the problem off on somebody else. Um, let's try to solve it if we can. Uh, we just need to watch, is it using coolant? As you drive this truck you know going what? forward, do, do you have to add coolant? I don't. That's then, the weird thing. Then it's not much. We're not losing a ton of coolant. We might still be losing coolant. It might just be such a small amount. It hasn't shown up in a need to add yet. Well, that tells us something. It's not a very big leak if there is even a leak. It might still be residual. It is really, really hard to get all that stuff out of the cooling system. I mean, think about this. You have a heater core way back in your bunk. That heater core has coolant in it. How do you get that all out Uh. from way back there? Right. I and the reason I yeah, know and the this looks clean. the reason I, I know this so well is when we were working with Evans coolant and you did a conversion, you had to get all of that out. And then we had to test for it. And if we didn't get it out the first time, before we put more coolant back in that system or ran the truck, we had to go do it again. We measured if there was water in there. We had to go through the whole process again. 
and and trying to get wow. it all out of there was difficult. So right now, I, I would just run the truck, watchers. I would probably be sampling every 5,000 miles right now because I know you want to get rid of this thing. So just sample more often. It's costing you a little money. But the more we sample and the more we drive this truck, the sooner we'll be able to figure out if there really is anything wrong. I don't think there is. I think the problem's been taken yeah. care of. I do think this is probably still residual. The bad thing is I took a local driving job that pays a ridiculous amount of money. Oh, and so, so I can't run it, you know, but I don't want to screw somebody. That's my biggest fear is saying, hey, man, you knew there was a problem here. So now I'm going to sue you you know, after I sell it. And I, I, I just don't have it in me to screw people. I know it's weird in trucking, but I, you know, you know it, it does I, affect me. I, I can't do it. No, I get it. And I feel the same way. So I'm trying to think of kind of a solution here. If I were in this situation, here's what I would probably do. I would probably put the truck up for sale and offer up all the records and just explain it to somebody. That's what I'm thinking. And I, I even thought, you know what, if there's still an issue, call me, I'll cover the bill. That's how there you go. Stupid I mean, I am. No, I, 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 you know, it's one of those weird situations. If you didn't have this high paying job, then you could run the truck for another month and we could figure it out, but we can't. So right. let's make the right. best of the situation. You're trying to do the right thing. What, what price range roughly is this truck going to be in? Right about a hundred thousand. Oh, so yeah, that's it's pretty critical then that it's right. Um, I, that's what, it. What, that's and, a lot of money for a new owner operator. Here's another crazy idea. If you kept this truck, you would be spending the money to fix the problem once we figure out what it is, or maybe there's no problem, right? But if if you kept the truck and we keep working through it, and you find that it's a cracked head, you would have to replace the head, right? Correct. I, I so, absolutely would spend the money to make it right. So why not? And and I would even have an attorney draw this part of it up. It would cost you a couple hundred bucks to have an attorney draw this up. Sell it with a specific warranty that you will cover this problem. Okay. Yeah, that, that would make me, I, I guess, ethically uh, feel better. Yes. You know? Yes. And I get that. I, I would feel better doing it that way, too. Wow. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. That's, that's, that's awesome. That's, uh, that's kind of what I was looking at. So that's what I'm thinking because I have no problem throwing money at this thing. Well, you know, I, I know that's like I, you I, said, I just, you, you have two choices right now. You either keep the truck and fix it. So you feel better about it when you do sell it, or you put it on the market and, and risk possibly screwing somebody. Those are your two options. I, yes. And you don't want to screw right. somebody. So if you kept right. the truck, you'd have to fix this problem. It, but but really, I if I were doing this, I would have an attorney draw it up. I, I would say, look, this okay. is this is legal. It's ironclad. I'm committing to fix this problem and only this problem. Yes, it's it's what we would yeah, call I, a I guess limited that would warranty. Me of, right, it's a limited yeah. warranty. Yeah, it might actually help me sell it too if I it, had a limited it, warranty. It might. <laughs> and certainly somebody knows that this guy's really on the up and up. He could have just dumped this truck yeah. onto the market and he didn't. He has the samples. Right. He has the records. He thinks it might be fixed. But if not, 
he's willing to cover it if it isn't fixed. Yeah, I, I like that. That's a good idea. Yeah, sounds like a plan, man. There you go. All right. You're welcome. Let's head to Pennsylvania. Michael, welcome to the program. Hello. What's on your mind today? Hello, Kevin. Yeah. Hey, uh, you had the other day you were talking, and uh, first of all, I'm a first-time caller. Listened to you for several years, but uh, you were talking about the um, Senate race in Pennsylvania, and I'm from Pennsylvania. So, oh, yeah, what an interesting um, race. I was just going to respond. <laughs> yeah, I, I've talked to – I mean, I, when I see signs in people's yards that say for Fetterman and – I'm like, I really want to just drop off the heroin addicts and the prisoners and the rapists in the guy's house and say, here they are. You can live here. I mean, can you believe I can't this understand guy? morally and ethically. No, it's crazy. I know. He's, in, he's is, insane. Is he really so, your lieutenant governor? I never knew that either because I didn't vote for the Democrat to start with. So because uh, I'm Republican. But yes, he is. That's crazy. <sighs> and really, they kept him hush hush this whole time. How the hell did uh, he get elected? That he was a lieutenant governor. D- now he must be funded by Soros is what I'm thinking. It, see, I don't understand Pennsylvania politics. Does, is, is it a ticket? Do you, is it just that he ran with the governor who won and that's how he yeah. won? Or is it a separate yeah. vote? I think you, I think you vote for the Democratic ticket. Um, maybe so. And they maybe voted. That's it was how Wolf ran with him. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's how he got in. Yeah. Because honestly, I can't imagine but, anybody voting this guy in for dog catcher, much less lieutenant governor. Yeah. My God, the guy's a freak. He has zero experience doing anything in his life. He's a trust fund baby that lived off of his parents his whole life, and then he became a politician. And he's a, he's a whack job. Yep. So I want to shift real quick to another topic that's, uh, you and uh, Joel talked about this, uh, either last Friday or the Friday before, but, um, I, the, I've been leased to the same carrier for 29 years and three months. Um, I have a small fleet with them and I haul LPG liquefied petroleum gases in those big yeah. white cylinders. There Are you, you familiar go. with that? I am, okay. yeah. So we're, we're all about weight. Yes. And I worked hand-in-hand in, hand in 2019. It took almost a year with the dealership. The owner of the company I'm leased to asked me to do this special project because I'm very progressive in uh, specking things and figuring out how we can save weight. Good. I built Good. two 2020 Kenworth T680s with 52-inch mid-roofs, 6 by 2s 13798 is no the way. No way. Really? Yes. Wow. Yes. And we went through everything. Like, like we found a steering box that I think was 20 or 30 pounds lighter. It's not the stock the dealer will give you. <laughs> oh, we had to go yeah. through every item yeah. and figure it out. You got under so 14,000 pounds on a class eight tractor. That's yes. incredible. With an 11 liter and the 11 liter has, um, uh, what's it? 460 horse at 1650 torque. It's a 12 speed endurance. I went all in for all that technology, and I got to tell you, it pulls the hills like it's unbelievable. I was surprised when yeah, I drove it. Yeah, I'll bet. What a, what a great setup. 
and we're averaging since I, I didn't drive the truck initially. I gave it to my drivers. Um, and, uh, we, but I started driving it cause the guy left and, uh, I'm averaging between seven and a half and eight because even our, when we're empty, we're not as empty as right. some guys would right. be because of the bottle, the bottle, You're the bottle weighs uh, like, tw- yeah, 20, we're our lightweight with that truck is 37 something when it scales in. Yeah. So it's not like we're down below 30 when we're empty. So we always have that little extra pull that affects fuel mileage. Right. But, uh, what I was saying, and then I built an international the same time, an RH 610. I built one of the internationals and, uh, but that's a full screw. And I got that one down to 15, 284. Yeah. Boy, that, that, you know, that, uh, that 13,000 some pound truck is really impressive. The six by two saves a considerable amount of weight and saves driveline drag and, you know, part replacement over the lifetime. And I mean, that six by two in an operation like this is an awesome choice. Right now, then we were working on a day cab and in a six by two, I think we got the day cab spec'd out that it should be between 12 and 12, five, but, uh, wow. We're it's, it's, I just don't understand why. So now like when we go to places where we haul maybe a tar trailer and they only want to put 45 or 46 on, well, then I'm going down the road, 74,000, right. 73,000. Right. So now we're even lighter loaded, so we have less wear and tear. And that's why I don't understand why everybody just doesn't spec light well, to save it on the other side. Well, but, I, I uh, could argue that a little and, bit. And, but the, and, and here's why. In your case, what you're doing is outstanding because every time you load that truck, you make more money every single time. Correct. So you can pay yep. for things like expensive aluminum fifth wheels and aluminum brake drums and all of those lightweight components get really expensive. And if I sit back and say, well, yes, I'm lighter, so my fuel economy will get better. It will. We even have a calculation for it. It's just never enough. When all it affects is your fuel mileage, those weight savings are almost never worth it. The, the, the return is several years. And you could say, well, but if we're going to keep the truck 10 years to a million miles, yeah, that you could make the argument then. If you know you're keeping this truck for 10 years, a million plus miles, it, it probably does pay for itself over that amount of time. But for you, this is instant return. Every time you Absolutely. load that truck, so, yeah, so you are, I mean, it's incredible what you've been able to accomplish there. That's awesome. The, the sad part is I heard you guys talk about, I didn't know about the tire wear when I did it and I can't get more than 60,000 miles out of the drive tires. I, <sighs> that's the, no matter that's, what I try to do. That's the, uh, that's all comes down to the adaptive loading technology. The better they make that adaptive yeah, I don't think loading, had that. They, they, right. So Volvo is probably like a lot of things kind of leading that adaptive loading technology. And Joel has been able to really improve tire wear on these. Yeah. I'd like to see if how late I could get a Volvo because see Volvo will let you build from the factory the forward, the rear axle becomes the drive axle, and they'd let the forward one be the lift, which would 
do much better because I would like to have a lift axle too. And correct, and that's, and that's I can't the setup get that we with like. Kenworth. Right, that that is the setup yeah. we like with the forward axle lifting, uh, with the adaptive loading when we need it. Yeah, that's a that's a really good setup. Hello. Yeah, you there? Uh oh, Michael. Well, hello. I don't know if yeah. we lost. Oh nope, we didn't lose Michael. We lost me. Uh, my calls still lie. Oh, now I'm back. Okay. Um, I swear the internet. You know, ten years ago we had enough internet. We were doing the show from the road all the time with almost no problems. Here we are, ten years later. The internet should be far better, and it's worse. It, 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 Every time we have a drop in the show, it has nothing to do with our equipment. Uh, we have the best internet connections that are available. Uh, we have backups, but you know, when you get these just intermittent kind of interruptions, it's just frustrating. Um, so we, and we lost Michael's call. So I'm going to wrap this up. Uh, I do see that uh, the Becketts are going to go live with Rolling Toe at 1 o'clock Eastern. Uh, what time is that here? Is that 10? Yeah, it must be 10, 11, 12, 1. Yeah, so coming up here in about 15 minutes. Oh, perfect. So I'll wrap up this show. Uh, we'll go in, we'll restart um, Rolling Toe, and they'll go live here in about 15 minutes. So... Um, I have not heard from John or Joel yet today, so I don't know, uh, what we have going on for tomorrow. I have some things I want to talk about tomorrow. Um, I hope we can get both of them in. We haven't, uh, it's been a couple weeks since all three of us have been able to get back together. So we will see, I will see you here tomorrow one way or the other. Uh, don't forget, coming up in 15 minutes, rolling toe. Jump in early with calls and questions. Make it easy on the host. And we will see you back here tomorrow. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey. <laughs>